0: My name is Marie Gervais, and I'm the host of the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast, where culture, communication, and context meet in the workplace. Discover what cultural influences have formed the careers of noteworthy leaders from around the world in a variety of professions by exploring the groups that shaped who they are today. Hello, Culture and Leadership Connections podcast listeners. Today, I am very privileged to present to you Claudia Miller, who is a career coach, speaker, and DEI strategist. She founded her own company called ClaudiaTMiller.com, and she helps women in tech land fulfilling jobs at the senior level. She also partners with companies and organizations in identifying rising stars within their organizations and providing strategic insights to support and develop a leadership and talent pipeline with a focus on women and women of color. Because of her efforts, she has worked with top Fortune 500 companies and has partnered with the World Business Chicago to develop a workforce development strategy to decrease unemployment rates for persons of color. She's the creator and host of Roadmap to the Executive Suite podcast, and her client success has put her into Forbes, MSNBC, Thrive Global, and Business Insider, which qualified her as being on the top global list of top
1: innovative career coaches.
0: So that's quite an accomplishment. Claudia, welcome to the podcast podcast. I'm so
1: happy to be able to host you. Thank you, Marie. I'm so happy to be here and especially some of the topics we'll be discussing today.
0: Good. I'm glad you're looking forward to the topics. So (laughs) please tell the audience a bit
1: about who you are from a personal level. So I consider myself a very ambitious person. So type A personality, straight A student, part of the National Honor Society. And I've always done really well in school. And one of the things that I wanted to do is check off all the box internships, did really good in my studies, I did volunteer work, I did everything that was I was supposed to do in order to be successful. And that didn't end up happening, which kind of led me to a journey of finding out what really makes someone excel in their careers. And that's what I've been doing I and mean, that's what I wanted to do personally. And now I'm able to help others and specifically women in tech kind of be able to use some of these strategies for them to fill and go into or after senior leadership roles.
0: That's great because the work hard and it will all come to you is just not a mantra that works most of the time. People, um, they check off all the boxes, but it doesn't necessarily get them to where they want
1: to go, right? Exactly. What about your family though? Where were you born? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I was born in Guatemala and I am the oldest and I have three other siblings, so all sisters. And I came to the U.S. when I was about four years old and we came here to visit family. And I then ended up with a chronic blood illness that has no cure, but at least in the U.S. we could manage it. So that's what led to my family. I ended up living here in the U.S. and had to give up our home and their business back in Guatemala. So in order for me to be here in within the United States to be able to manage my illness. Hmm. So is it manageable now? Yes, there's still no cure, but it's kind of been dormant, thankfully. And I haven't had to need any medical care yet. Um, But since then, I've kind of gone through the process and had a surgery which has helped with keeping that illness dormant.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that that's been something that you struggled with throughout your life, but it sounds like you have found ways to
1: work with it. Yes. And I'm actually grateful for it because then I ended up growing up here in the United States as opposed to Guatemala. And there's a lot more more opportunity and resources here. So I'm actually grateful for my illness. Hmm.
0: Well, that's a perfect attitude to have for being a women in tech success leadership coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Gratitude always
0: brings abundance, right? It does. Yes. So can you share a couple of incidents from your childhood that
1: you believe made you into the person you are today? One of the things that I noticed is, and you know, which ended up going into part of what I'm doing now, but I always knew that you can never do the bare minimum and expect success. So doing just the homework was never going to be enough. So I went and enjoyed it like academic decathlon. And for some of the listeners who may not know what academic decathlon is, it's an extra elective course that I took, which puts 10 subjects into one class. So I learned a lot and I even had more homework from that one class. But it really helped me understand time management, how to learn and it helped me through there eventually with college applications. And eventually, I would say that that's one of the main reasons of my my belief that I am a recipient of the Gates Millennium Scholarship. So I received a full right scholarship that paid for my bachelor's and master's. And if I wanted to, it would have paid up to my Ph.D. Plus housing expenses, personal expenses, laptops and paid for all the books. But again, it all stemmed from doing more. And I love this quote that I've heard is do what others won't to achieve what others can't. So that application itself was a 64 page application for a scholarship that right now has at least paid off or has paid for my studies up to like two hundred dollars to $250,000. So most people wouldn't have filled out a 64-page application, but I knew what I wanted and I already had done the work. So I already had straight A's at this point. I had job experience. I had internships. I've done extracurricular activities. I have won awards. So now I was able to leverage that into a very complex, very competitive college application. And because of it, I earned a full-ride scholarship. That's
0: really, good as an adult, but I was actually asking for specific incidents from your childhood, something that stands out. Oftentimes it's trauma or sometimes it is a moment of overcoming an obstacle. So what stands out from your childhood
1: that you think was formative for you personally? I would definitely say my illness. First, they thought it was leukemia. So I was in and out of the hospital a lot as a child. I would have bruises all over my body. So at first, before I was even diagnosed with it, uh, my parents thought that the other one was beating me up maybe like mm. in secrecy or something. And then eventually ended up going to the hospital and they realized that it was an illness, but I was in and out of the hospital the entire time. And afterwards my parents separated um, my mom, my sister and I at the time. So the three of us, um, we ended up living in the women's home, the shelter. So I would say that definitely impacted my life because one, I knew the way out of, you know, my humble beginnings was definitely going to be through education. That's why I strive really hard with my studies. And it was the only way out out of there because I didn't want to become a statistic. And I didn't have the resources at the time to be able to lean on my family or my network in order to help me lead a very successful life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you really had to have the will to survive with the eldest
1: that you had. Yeah, I was the oldest. So, and I mean, when this happened, I was around years old. And my sister might've been like three years old.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when your parents separated and you are in a homeless shelter,
1: you're thinking, whoa, I've got to move up from here, right? <laughs> I want to be in this situation. Mm-hmm. Of what mm-hmm. can I do in order to ensure success and never end up here? hmm I'm sure that was quite a, a motivating factor when the going got tough. It definitely was. On top of
0: that, being hospitalized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both of those things together are so significant.
1: I'm sure it helped you develop grit for sure. Definitely grit, a lot of work ethic and perseverance.
0: hmm What about as an adolescent? What stands out in your mind as an adolescent? A specific incident can often be helpful to help people understand.
1: Well, I would say... Like I said, my illness has really played a big part in my role upcoming. And as an adolescent, you know, one of the things that thankfully at, for some period of time, I think from the age of like 10 or 11 up until 14, uh, my illness had been dormant. So it comes now, like I said, it's very rare. And of course, I pushed myself to the limit. So I have to take all these classes. I was a I was doing architecture at the time and i was doing it plus working around 10 to 15 hours on top of everything plus you know taking care of my sisters because my mom worked full-time and i had to do a lot and because of it i ended up almost burning myself out at like 14 15 years old and i ended up back in the hospital and it reactivated my illness since then i've been taking a very methodical approach to say okay i need to take care of myself otherwise I already know I'm going to end up in the hospital and I don't want it to be that way, because if it does Happen to, you know, flare up again, I don't know if there's going to be another cure for it. So I've always tried to stay cognizant to not burn myself out. I tend to be very ambitious and driven and always be that yes person. But because of it it kind of taught me to pull back and really reflect, is this really needed? Do I need to do this now? Do I have the bandwidth? And can I still take care of myself? And thankfully, I've been able to continue to do that as an adult. And I would say that's one thing too, that helps me kind of stay in check because if it weren't for my illness, I probably work even more hours just because I tend to be very driven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's good self-reflection. You know where you might fall and also what to do to mitigate it
1: so you stay balanced, right? Exactly. And also taught me how to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So from the groups that you were born into, I mean, Guatemala would have had an influence on you, even though you came when you were four and your family influence and wherever you move to in the United States, there's always a culture there, there that you're just growing into and you're unconscious of it, right? as an adult, you can reflect back and say, oh, this is what affected the way I see the world and how I see things. And it was a foundation for who I am. Mm -hmm. So what groups, and that can also include language, it can include ethnicity, religion, profession, social class, region, you know, people who live in mountains have a different approach than people who live by oceans. So Mm -hmm. which of those groups that you grew into unconsciously, would you say, have affected you
1: now? Definitely growing up Hispanic, Latino, my values, um, and I've seen this across other women as well, where, you know, in my culture, you're kind of taught to be timid, to be quiet. Women are kind of told, you know, you look prettier when you don't talk, just smile and don't intervene. Don't speak up, put your head down, work really hard, stay quiet. And, you know, that's what you're taught. And of course, let alone negotiate your salary and, you know, sell yourself to your on horn where that's what you need now, um, at least here in the U.S. to kind of get ahead in your career. So I really had to navigate, The you know, first one in my family to graduate from high school, let alone getting a master's degree and then going to corporate world. How could I navigate this while still being able to understand how the corporate world works? Because right now it is really going against with what I grew up in. And how can I navigate this space in a way that's true to myself? Hmm, how did you? A lot of reflection, but mostly um, since I didn't have actual people that I can look up to, like mentorship, I had to rely heavily on books, on blogs. I listened to a lot of blogs. I had to become very resourceful, so I, you know, reached out to other people, you know, cold email or maybe when I was in college ish. Um, afterwards, I. There was some version of LinkedIn at the time. So I was still able to identify people or join internships and try to connect with people um, there to help me really navigate and understand like how do they do it? What does the success look like? And that really gave me the confidence to start negotiating, advocating for myself. And now it's been years now, but I've been able to gather that information, that intel, those strategies, those resources, that skill set, and being able to sharpen it and develop it from where it is today. So you were really engaged Yes, I had to find the resources on my own. And there's just so much you can learn from reading. Um, Eventually, you need to take action. That's where I learned the most.
0: Mm -hmm. So what about growing up and into other groups? So you might grow up in a small town or in a city in a certain area and stay there uh, for many generations. But oftentimes now people are required to move across cultural differences social class difference. And when they learn different professions or they go to school, they often have an experience with groups being different from what they were originally exposed to. So what
1: would you say have been groups that affected you as you grew older? Well, growing up, my neighborhood was mostly Hispanic and Polish. So that was kind of like what my circle was up until I got to college. And all of a sudden, I went to a very diverse college. I, you know, I pretty much grew up in Chicago. So very city, definitely a city girl. And then I went into college and all of a sudden there's, you know, different cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds and languages. So that was new to me, but I absolutely loved it. And I got exposed to different types of music, different types of food cultures where I didn't realize a lot of these things or people or traditions existed up until college, which is I feel like pretty late in life just because I kind of lived in a bubble growing up. We didn't travel. we didn't do a lot of the things so being exposed to this other world really expanded my way of thinking and since then i've been trying to almost push myself to say like what else you know what other groups or what else can i expose myself to really create a limitless mindset and understand the environment of what's happening because if you had asked me at 14 15 years old like what will be an ideal career salary I mean, I would have said, you know, making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, i will be rich. I can buy a convertible. I can buy a mansion. I can buy so many things just with $65,000, $70,000. And once I got to that point, I realized that you cannot buy a mansion or a car and all these things um, with that salary and that there's so much more money to be made out there. I have clients, people that are making two, three, four, five hundred thousand. 500,000. So really pushing myself. And that first experience was very important to me because it was the beginning of many things.
0: Yeah. People often can't see beyond the amount of money that they were used to in their families when they were growing up. And it's hard for them to imagine earning more. And even when they do earn more, then they end up sabotaging themselves so that they go back to what Mm -hmm. was familiar. I think that's often a problem when you move across social class. And then there's also their different behaviors and networks and there's cultural differences and there are
1: also social class differences. It sounds to me like you were experiencing both at the same time. Yeah, and it was a really great experience. And I continue Mm -hmm. to do that to this day you know, plugging myself in circles where maybe I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, but that just means that I have a lot more to learn and I have people that I can learn from. It became really helpful. Yeah, exactly. You have an open attitude
0: towards learning from things that are not like you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So how would you say anything that you grew into has affected who you are? I actually have adopted certain behaviors from different cultural experiences that I just thought were better. For example. I've lived in countries where everybody was very friendly and always greeted each other. And where I am in Northern Canada here, people don't do that. And I decided that's not the way I was going to be. So I always greet people, even if nobody greets me back or even acknowledges. And um, my children, when I was growing up, would say, why do you do that when nobody even says hi? And I go, because I'm trying to change the culture, Okay, (laughs) Help me out. Help me out here. Work with me. (laughs) And after COVID, what happened is all of a sudden people started to respond. So I don't think it was anything that I did that would have changed an entire neighborhood. But I think that the experience of COVID and a, with a few people saying hello started to affect the neighborhood vibe and people are more open than, and friendly than they were before. So it was a conscious effort to make a change. You talked about moving into the corporate world and doing what you need to do academically and job wise. But what about personally?
1: Have you done something that you intentionally did to move into a new behavior? There's just so many things because I feel like I had to reframe my money mindset, what I thought about success, you know, how I even portrayed myself, you know, growing up Hispanic, you're always kind of told, get married and have a family. And mm-hmm. you know that's the goal. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to be another statistic. I knew I wanted more out of life than just my husband and kids. I wanted an education and I wanted to break that, not curse, but I did want to be educated. I wanted to get a degree. So There are a lot of things that I had to work with my mindset that I had to work on where it wasn't, you know, oh, I have to stay humble and quiet. But, you know, how can I get better? How can I learn? How can I reframe this that suits me and that will enable me success with what I'm doing? And personal-wise, as too. You know, it was very different for me because going to college and then being in a corporate world, you know, some people, unbeknownst to them, they would say like, oh, you know, did you grow up listening to this song or this movie and i'm like i have no idea my mom did not allow us to really watch tv in english because she didn't understand the language so we only watched things in spanish we only heard spanish music so i really had to bring myself to learn And watch these movies afterwards when I started going to college because I hadn't been exposed to it. And I feel like I missed so many things, even in conversations, because I just didn't understand the reference of it. That's definitely something where I still, you know, I maintain my culture. I still listen to Spanish music, but now I also learn to appreciate and like watching English movies and music as well.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody else missed out on sharing Spanish culture and movies and songs. (laughs) So, it's a two-way street, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) People think, oh, I just have to do this to belong to the dominant society, but the dominant society needs to recognize how rich and wonderful it is to learn from the cultures around them. And I remember when I was in Japan a number of years ago, the people that were with me, we went to sing karaoke. And everybody that wasn't from North America could sing in any language all the popular songs. They were singing in Spanish, in French, in Czech. They were singing in various dialects and, you know, popular African songs. And all the people from North America were just like, okay, we know the English pop tunes. Do you know those? And that's when it really hit me that being so focused on just one place and one music and one type of experience is very limiting. Imagine the entire planet being exposed to everything and which we are much more now how much we would gain from it if we were open to learning from it. So that leads me to the question about a time when you would have experienced, and you mentioned quite a few already, but a time when you would experience that the way you did things was normal to you, but not necessarily to others. So a moment of cultural shock or cultural dissonance that you experienced, can you think of an
1: incident in particular? Well, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is when I received my scholarship, they offered me included room and board. Growing up, especially in a Latina household, it's very uncommon for you to leave your home unless you're married mm-hmm. <laughs> or had a baby and then you're moving out. So I moved out at the age of 18 and moved into an apartment and then eventually I ended up going into the dorms. But that was very different and hard for me. But, you know, realizing that Even other students within the college uh, who are from Hispanic descent, um, they still even up to like some of them now, if they're not married, they're still living with their parents where I was 18 at a time. And of course, I had the resources because thanks to the scholarship, I was able to move out. But that is something that is still different and new to me where. For me, it was a big thing to do where it was just a norm in college. Oh, of course you move out and move to your dorm. Where for me, it was very hard conversations with my mom telling her that I'm moving out and I'm going into a dorm room or moving into an apartment on my own. And that was just not common, especially from where I grew up, just within our Hispanic community, from our friends and family. Mm-hmm. That's a good example. Probably now,
0: I would say more people stay at home much longer because there is just no economic way for it to happen unless you get a scholarship. And even then you may not have the living arrangement fees to be able to pay for it. It's become more and more common now for people to stay at home much, much later, even if it wasn't part of their culture initially.
1: Yeah, definitely with this market and especially the housing market, it makes it really hard for people to kind of live on their own.
0: That's mm-hmm. why I said,
1: thankfully, I had the scholarship that allowed me to do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to. And also, thankfully, you had that
0: experience of being in a family where you really felt like you belonged to that group and they supported you. I hope that's
1: how you felt. Yes, I definitely did.
0: <laughs> so we're getting close to the end of the interview. I am just wanted to ask you about tips for what brings out the best in you. So if you have a client that you work with or a contract that you work with, what would bring out the best in you to be able to do your best job in that contract or with that client?
1: I tend to be very solution-focused. So... I only work with clients that I know that I can help. So I already have a lot of confidence in them, whether they feel confident or not, that's a different question. But I'm always feeling confident and knowing I know that they're meant for more. I know they're ready for this promotion. I know they're ready for this. They need to be making more and sometimes even $140,000 more because they have the skills set and that's what the market is paying. So what brings out the best in me is, you know, well, first, my clients coming to me and being open. I'm very transparent and, you know, I have. Ask them what is really happening and finally I like to do an exercise of what are we trying to say here in one sentence? What is the so what? Oh so you're not feeling confident. Okay, so what? Where is this stemming from? Why do you not feel confident? And just going through that exercise with them kind of makes them realize that oh here's the true root cause. Here's where I'm really struggling and now I know how to help them because if they don't communicate with me, I can't provide that solution. So working with clients that are willing to do the work to get the results. Those are my favorite clients. I work with driven, very smart, professional women, whether, you know, they've been passed off for promotions or there's just not upward mobility. That's a different question. But I know that they are more than capable of and they're well-deserving of it. And let's find those right opportunities for them that will allow them to thrive and succeed. And that really motivates me and knowing that helping more women and moving into senior leadership roles allows more women to have more opportunities. When we move more women to senior leadership roles, they have more say, they also are earning and its data has shown that women tend to invest more in their communities than our male counterparts. So I want to provide as many solutions and opportunities for women out there. And I think because of my upbringing, that's why I'm very motivated because of it, because I didn't have those opportunities. But it's how can I multiply that and give women more power and control and opportunities out there that allows them to live the life they want to.
0: Mm-hmm. And develop a social network that will support them in that role. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Here's your soapbox moment. What would you
1: like to promote? You no, know, I'm a career coach. So I help women in tech land fulfilling roles on average within 90 days. And my clients get an average of 56% in salary increases. So I've had clients get anywhere between 30 and even up to $140,000 in additional earned income. So if any of your listeners are job searching or are ready for the next role in their career, and they know they're being underpaid or want to get paid, at the rate that they should be, they can definitely reach out to me. My website is claudiettmiller.com. They can find me on LinkedIn and it'll just be Claudia T Miller. And I provide a lot of free career advice through my LinkedIn. That sounds wonderful.
0: And I'm sure that people will benefit from that. They can also see it in the show notes since we'll include all of that there. And the show notes are on all the websites that allow show notes. And the short versions always have the links in them as well. So there should be no problem with people being able to find you. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: I want to hear some of the challenges if you're a job seeker, or you're currently working and you want to move into the next world, feel free to go on my LinkedIn profile. And I usually post there and feel free to private message me if you need help with career advice. Based on those questions you ask, I like to create content free videos and trainings because I know it'll help other job seekers out there. So feel free to message me and connect with me and let me know where you need help with. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank you so
0: much, for spending your time on the podcast. And I'm sure that the Culture and Leadership Connections
1: podcast listeners will benefit greatly from your answers and from checking out what you do. Thank you, Marie. Thanks for having me. And please leave a review and let us know what you found most insightful or what you're ready for your next job search that way. You and I can read about it, right, Marie? Certainly. (laughs) Thank you, Claudia. That's great. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, you too.
0: Claudia Miller has an impressive bio. Her efforts to help women in tech land successful senior-level jobs earned her multiple features in Forbes, MSNBC, and Thrive Global. I'm not surprised that Business Insider put Claudia in the company of top innovative career coaches. This has not come without huge challenges, including immigrating from Guatemala with her family, being diagnosed with a rare chronic blood illness, and having to overcome poverty and gender stereotypes along the way. Taught to keep her head down and her mouth shut, Claudia now not only uses her own voice to its full advantage, but coaches women in tech to land fulfilling roles within 90 days at an average of 56% increase in salary. If you were inspired by this episode with Claudia, do share it with a friend or colleague and rate and review it right on our podcast page. If you go to shiftworkplace.com slash podcast, you can scroll down to Claudia's episode where on the show notes page, you will have everything in one place to rate and review. Thank you for listening and may culture and leadership connections continue to guide and inspire your day. Want to show some appreciation? You can buy me a coffee. What? How do you buy a coffee for a podcast owner? Well, there's a way. Let me explain. You go to buymeacoffee.com slash Marie Gervais. That's spelled M-A-R-I-E-G-E-R-V-A-I-S. So it's buymeacoffee.com slash Marie Gervais. And when you go to that website, what's going to happen is you'll get a chance to click on one, two, three, four, or five cups of coffee at $5 a piece to help contribute to the cost of the podcast. And yes, it's $5 for a cup of coffee because it's quality coffee for a quality podcast. So I hope you will contribute and you'll help us to reduce the costs of the podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com slash Marie Gervais. Thank you in advance for your generous contribution.